First Kings chapter 18. First Kings chapter 18 verses 36 through 38, just a couple of verses here. Or excuse me, through 39. 36-39. This is some of my favorite passages of Scripture in these few chapters here. Uh, chapter 17, 18, and 19 of, of 1 Kings. I would encourage you this week, if you get a chance, uh, to read those chapters on your own and just kind of uh, see exactly what's going on. Uh, just to get a little bit of the context of what we are uh, going to be uh, talking about today. 1 Kings chapter 18 verses 36 through 39. We'll probably flip over into 17 a little bit and 19 possibly for a little bit as well. Verse 36. At the time for offering the evening sacrifice, Elijah the prophet approached the altar and said, Yahweh, God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, today let it be known that you are God in Israel, and I am your servant, and that at your word I have done all these things. Answer me, Lord, answer me, so that this people will know that you, Yahweh, are God, and that you have turned their hearts back. Then Yahweh's fire fell and consumed the burnt offering, the wood, the stones, and the dust, and it licked up the water that was in the trench. When all the people saw it, they fell face down and said, Yahweh, He is God. Yahweh, He is God. Let's pray. Father God, we come to You this morning, and I pray that we see what's going on in Your words here, that we see Your mighty power, dear Lord, that we see You acting in a mighty way, God, uh, to turn Your people to You, dear Lord. And I pray, God, that you would do a mighty work in our lives, that you would help us to be uh, turned to you, God, if we've turned away from you, that you would help those in here, God, that maybe have never accepted Jesus Christ to accept Jesus Christ. That as we look at these words today, God, that they uh, prepare our heart for the season of revival that is coming. Perhaps you need to wake us up, God. Perhaps we need to experience your power. Some of us, some of the ones that aren't here today but that will be here next week, God, I pray that as we prepare for this revival, as we spend these times, uh, this time in these verses today, God, that your Holy Spirit would move, that you would begin to work on our hearts, help us to see the areas where we need to change, to see the areas where we need to repent. God, I pray that you would just hide me behind the cross today. God, I pray that you just would be glorified in this place. I pray, God, that you help me not to make your words confusing, but that you help me to preach and teach in a way that's going to be understandable, in a way that the Holy Spirit can speak through me and speak to each one of us that are here today. So, God, I just pray that you would be in control of my mouth as I speak, be in control of our ears and our hearts as we listen. God, let your Holy Spirit do a mighty work in this place today. In Jesus' name I pray it. Amen. This is a, a beautiful uh, story, uh, beautiful in the way that God is providing for and God is using Elijah, that God is showing His people that He is still God. 
Now in the verses that we read here, we saw God do a marvelous, mighty act. We saw that there was an altar that had been made and an offering that was to be sacrificed. And God in all of His power uh, struck this, this altar, uh, licked up the water that was around the altar. He took this offering, He took this sacrifice, and the people of Israel, Elijah, and the rest of the people of Israel who were watching, saw God work in a mighty way. And upon seeing God work uh, in front of them, seeing God work uh, through these uh, marvelous things that took place, they called out to the Lord. They worshiped the Lord. They acknowledged who God was and that He was the only God. That was the intent of God doing this miraculous act, uh, carrying out this miraculous event so that His people would turn back to Him. Now, we're talking about this passage today because I think that this passage may be helpful to us as we enter into a time of revival at our church. Revival is a time that we are revived, that we are restored, perhaps that we turn our focus back to Jesus. And the world and life has a way of keeping our focus off of Jesus. It's, it's, it's difficult sometimes, for me at least, maybe not for you, but it's difficult because we are always being tempted and uh, uh, pulled in other directions. And so, as a Christian, we really have to be intentional about making sure that we give time to the Lord. We really have to be uh, devoted to praying to the Lord, to seeking the Lord, to listening to the Lord, and to following whatever it may be that God may be calling us to do. There are times in our life that we need to be woken up. This is not just for us, by the way. This has happened all throughout the history of God's people. And unless Jesus comes back, it will continue to happen among believers until the day that He does come back. It's a struggle. There are times in life where, as Christians, that we may be on top of the spiritual mountain, so to speak. That we may be devoted to God and really seeking the Lord and really praying to Him and listening to Him and being in the Word, and building one another up, being in fellowship. And those times are good. Those times are times in our life where we are at great peace. But there are also times in our life, and I think that if we are honest, all of us who are Christian would probably admit that there are times in our life that we are not quite as on fire for God as we would like to be. Now, perhaps some of you and some of the ones who will be here for revival are spiritually on that mountaintop right now, and your relationship with God is, is, is great, and God is blessing you, and you are at peace with the Lord, and if you are, then praise God, and you keep on seeking the Lord and being in the Word and praying to Him. There may be others who are here today or who will be here next week who are in a, who are in a valley, who are in a rut, maybe because of worries that, that have been on their mind and on their heart. Maybe it's because of sin that we have committed that we are unrepentant of. Whatever it may be, there will no doubt be some who will be here as this revival starts and perhaps even here today that we're not where we want to be with the Lord. We just, we just, we're not praying to the Lord like we should. Our prayer life may not be like it should be. Maybe we're not spending time in the Word. Maybe there are things that God has called us to do and we've told Him no. Well, that's pretty intense right there, but we do that sometimes. Sometimes God calls us to a task, and it may be that we're just too lazy to do it. It may be that we are too afraid to do it. Uh, it may be that 
that we don't think we're capable of doing it. But God calls us to things as Christians uh, and ways to serve. And we're not talking about extreme things, although he does call us sometimes to those things that we may say are extreme, like David Eubank, who we talk about often, uh, who is uh, in Burma and all these other places doing the Lord's work. And it's very difficult work. Sometimes God does call us to those things. But sometimes God calls us to the more simple things. And just telling someone that we see who is in need that God loves them giving them a hug, taking a meal to someone who may be hungry or not able to cook for themselves. Those simple things. God calls us to do many of those things, or at least I believe he does. He always seems to be putting those things on my heart, and I believe that he probably puts those things on your heart as well. There are seasons in our life where as Christians that we we get in a rut, where maybe we come to church and maybe we're involved in certain things, but our heart's not in it. It becomes routine. We may be doing good things even, but, but we're not really on fire for the Lord like we want to be. Now, if you're a Christian and you're in this room today, then you know that there is nothing in this world that compares to being at peace and experiencing the joy of the Lord. There's nothing in this world better than that. There is nothing in this world, at least not for me, that is more more that, that is better than being content with the Lord. Perhaps there are some of you that have never accepted Jesus Christ today, and you've never felt any peace or joy or contentment. You're always searching and reaching and longing for the next thing. I'm going to tell you the only way that you're going to find what you need is in Jesus Christ. And sometimes even as Christians, we need to be reminded of that. We need to experience God's Word in a fresh way. It's not that we don't know it or that we've never read it before, but sometimes we need to be reminded of the power of God. Sometimes I believe that God allows things to happen in our life so that we can see Him at work. God may allow something to happen to us to get our attention, something to make us think for a second. may even allow us to go through some hard times but all for the, for, for the sake of, of drawing us closer to Him. You see, God desired for His people in these verses to, to call out to Him, to recognize that He was God, to come back to Him. They had gone astray. You don't believe me? Read in the Old Testament about the people of Israel. Boy, they were constantly being disobedient to God. It's pretty amazing, really, if you think about it. It's pretty amazing if you read the story of the Exodus, how they were enslaved, uh, made to do slave labor. They didn't have a land that was their own. They were ruled by the wealthy Egyptians and didn't have any freedom. And God, in His awesome power, delivered them in a miraculous way, in so many miraculous ways through the story of the Exodus and God working in their deliverance. God does some amazing works and some marvelous miracles that the Israelites get to see and get to be a part of. But yet it doesn't take long as they get out of Israel, or excuse me, get out of Egypt, that, they, that the people of Israel begin to sin against the Lord. They begin to have a lack of faith. They begin to doubt the Lord. They begin to be disobedient to the Lord. They begin to worship idols and false gods. It doesn't take long for that. And it's pretty amazing to me that after experiencing God's power in such a wonderful way that they would turn from God, that their relationship with God would be just kind of so-so. 
And it's also amazing to me that in my life, and perhaps in your life, that I can do the same thing. That I have experienced, and many of you have experienced, the power of God. You've experienced God's deliverance. You've seen God work miracles. You've seen God do amazing things in your life. And maybe it's just me, or maybe it's you too, but there are times that you just feel kind of flat spiritually, where you're not as excited for the Lord as you should be, not as excited for the Lord as you want to be. And I believe when we have these seasons of revival that we have every year, that it's a time for us to really reflect and look at our life and see, boy, God, am I, am I, am I where I should be with you? Are we really seeking the Lord in our daily decisions? Are we really seeking the Lord in the way that we live our life? Are we following the example of Jesus Christ? Are we following the instructions and the words that God gives to us in the Bible? Are we doing what God calls us to? Are we doing what God calls us to out of love? Or are we just doing it because we know we should, but our heart's not really in it? And I believe when we have these seasons of revival, it's a time for us to look at our life and to reflect on our life and say, God, I don't feel like I'm doing what I should. If you feel that way, it's, it's a good season in your life for you to call out to the Lord and say, God, I'm not as close to you as I want to be. I'm not living for you in the way that I should be. God, just fill my heart with your Holy Spirit. Just fill my heart with your love. A time for us to look to the Lord and a time for us to repent of some sins in our life. To say, God, I see this thing in my life or that thing in my life or my attitude or whatever it may be is keeping me from living for you the way that I should, God. It's keeping from me uh, growing in you the way that I should. And as we get ready for this season of revival, it's a good time for us to examine our lives and our hearts and to repent of some sin that may be there that shouldn't be there. And just as we see in this passage today, God is still in control. God is still at work. God can still do mighty and powerful and wonderful acts in our life, and I believe that we see God do those things oftentimes. Sometimes we may miss it. But God has a way about getting His people's attention. And God had a way about getting His people's attention in 1 Kings chapter 18. Now a little background to this passage to help us understand exactly what was going on. In 1 Kings chapter 17, God had told Elijah that he was going to bring a drought onto the land. That there was going to be a dry season. And that there was not going to be any rain for what turned out to be three years. There was going to be a long period of dryness in the land. Now this period of dryness coincided with the fact that the Israelites weren't really living for the Lord in the way that they should, as we commonly see in the Old Testament. And it's pretty amazing to me and pretty wonderful to me that God is so merciful, that God is so gracious, that God is so long-suffering to continue to put up with sinful people like you and me and like those old Israelites back in the day. It's pretty amazing that we serve a God who loves us and will be patient with us. But in the case of the Israelites, they had really gotten off track. They had really begun to worship these other gods. And this God that we see mentioned in 1 Corinthians 18 is the God of Baal. We see Baal mentioned many times in the Old Testament. 
It was one of the false gods of the day that the people uh, would worship. And God really had warned his people of Israel uh, quite a few times in the law and, and in getting them out of Israel to not worship these other gods, to not worship these idols, to be careful when they went into the promised land, to not take these foreign women as wives because he knew that these people in the land that the Israelites were going to take, their promised land, the land that God had given to them, he knew that the people who lived in that land were worshiping idols. They were doing things that were detestable. They were sacrificing children. And they were worshiping this God and that God. And God knew as human beings that we are pretty weak. And we are pretty easily led astray sometimes. And so he gave the Israelites very strict instructions to, to remain faithful to him. To remain obedient. To not get caught up with these other cultures. And not give in to worshiping their gods. But we see throughout the text that that is not the case. Uh, we see that after Israel is delivered from Egypt that uh, they kind of begin to resemble Egypt a little more than they resemble the people of God. God had called them to be set apart, to be a nation that was different, to be a people that was different from the other nations. A nation who had come from slavery into freedom and given their own promised land. They should have been living for the Lord and on fire for the Lord, but instead uh, they begin to resemble the very nation that God had freed them from. And we see in uh, the story of Solomon, the son of David, as he became king. He was a wise man, we see in the text. But even in all of his wisdom, he still failed to be obedient to God's word. God gave him very strict instructions on what he was to do. One of those instructions that God wanted to make sure that Solomon knew about was not uh, being with women of other nations because... If he was, then he would begin to worship their gods. He'd begin to worship their, their idols. They would turn him away from the heart of Yahweh, that is, the God of Israel, the only true God. And as we look at the life of Solomon, what we see is that Solomon becomes very wealthy. God blessed him greatly. He had much wisdom, but he also took uh, foreign wives. He also had forced labor that he used to help uh, do the things that needed to be done. Sounds kind of reminiscent to the uh, Egyptians that they were freed from. That Solomon and God's people in return began to worship these false gods. and They were being pulled away from worshiping God. That's just one example throughout the history of Israel where we see uh, God's people, God's leader in that case, Samuel, not being obedient and God's people turning away from him. So God knows that we are very tempted. God knows that we can be pulled away to other things that will distract us, that will take our attention from Him and, and put it on something else. And the same is true for us today. We may not worship uh, the God of the sun or the God of the moon or the God of the weather, our little stone idols or wooden idols like the people of uh, Old Testament day did. But there are just as many things that the devil will use in our life to distract us to pull our attention away from God and onto the things of the world. One of these gods that we see that they worshipped in the Old Testament was Baal. Uh, Baal was known for being the god of weather, the god who controlled the rain. 
uh, the people of, uh, of this day uh, in the Bible, and I guess even some people in our world today that still worship these gods, whenever there is a drought or something that goes on, they think that uh, they must appease to the gods that they're not doing right, that they need to do more or give more sacrifices. And so no doubt that's probably what the people of this day thought. They didn't have rain for a while. God had brought a drought on the land as we see in uh, 1 Kings chapter 17. Perhaps this was a way that God could show them that Baal was not in any real control at all. That Baal was not in control of anything, but that God himself was in control of everything. And I believe that that's what God was doing. He was allowing his people to go through hard times, to go through a season of drought, so that when he worked in a mighty way, they would come back to him and they would praise him and they would seek him and they would fall down before him and worship and praise him. And I believe that God does the same things in our world today. I believe that God sometimes does do things in a physical sense to allow us to go through seasons in our life in a physical way that may cause us to realize we need to call out to Him. And then I also believe that this story is a good example to us spiritually as to how God works. There may be seasons in our life where we feel like that we are in a drought, where we feel like that we are, 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 are withering away, where we feel like that we can't go on any further, where we feel like our thirst is not being quenched. And sometimes it takes that for us, sadly, as hard-headed human beings. Sometimes it takes that for us to really call out to God, to really begin to seek God. And in this story we're looking at today, God allowed this drought to be on the land for three years. A drought has an effect in a lot of areas. A drought begins to affect every area of everyone's life, of the land, of the people, of the animals. The plant life begins to die. The crops no longer grow. The people will eventually die of thirst. There is no water there for the people to eat. And the drought may be kind of slow in its effects, but eventually when the drought fully sets in, it begins to affect every area of the people's lives. And that's not so different from us spiritually. When we begin to focus on other things other than the Lord, and we begin to turn our attention from Him, it affects us spiritually. It begins to have an effect on our attitude, on how we think, on how we act, on what we say, on what we do, on what we think. It's not just something that has little effect on our life when we begin to turn our our hearts from God and begin to focus on other things. It's something that affects us greatly spiritually. It affects us physically. It causes great stress in our life. It may cause us to lash out or say or do things that we shouldn't do or wouldn't do. And that's what a spiritual drought can do to us. Just Just as the drought has great effect on every aspect of the land, so a spiritual drought has great effect on every aspect of your body. But throughout this, there was faithful Elijah. Throughout this drought, God was using faithful Elijah. Now, there were possibly other faithful people who feared the Lord, but it says that Elijah was the only prophet of God at that day. Now, there were 450 prophets of Baal that we see in Elijah chapter 18, and they were always calling out to Baal. 
many of the people, many of God's people, were listening to what they had to say. But there was one faithful prophet, and that was Elijah. And God was using him throughout this experience, throughout this drought, for the good of his people. And what we see in 1 Kings 17 is once the drought sets onto the land, that God tells Elijah to go to this certain place. Uh, Wadi Shereth is the name of the place that you will see in the text. Or some uh, of your translations, instead of saying Wadi, may say uh, Brook. But it would have been like a ravine or a valley with a little brook flowing through it. And he was to go to this particular place uh, where it was to meet the Jordan River. And he was to stay there. And God said that during this time he would provide for him. And that's an important thing for us to remember. As we go through our life, if we, as we seek the Lord, as we focus on the Lord, maybe we've gotten to a point that we are in a drought. And we need to call out to the Lord, and we need to know that God is faithful to provide for us, even in the drought seasons of our life. Perhaps spiritually we're doing good, but there's some other struggles in our life, some other needs that we have, some other things that are really hard for us. We need not forget that God will provide for us. Maybe not in the way that we think or the way that we want, but God is faithful to take care of his children, just as God was faithful to take care of Elijah. God told Elijah that through this drought, he was to go to this particular place. He was calling him to a particular place and he said, look, while you're there, I'm going to provide for you. And interestingly enough, what God says is he says, I'm going to provide for you by the ravens, the ravens in the sky, the birds that fly around. God said, through the ravens, I will provide for you so that your needs are going to be met. Isn't that totally a God thing to do? Like, who would think about that? Like, what, like, how weird is that for God to say, oh, by the way, these ravens are going to sustain you. I'm going to use them to take care of you. That's also a good reminder to us that God's ways are totally not like our ways. God's ways are totally higher than anything we can imagine. And sometimes God may use unconventional means by, by human terms to take care of us to be there for us, to see to us. And so when we're in a situation and we think, boy, is God really listening and God really doing anything? Well, it may be that God's doing everything that he needs to do, but we're missing it. Because in our mind, we have determined that this is the way that it needs to be handled. But sometimes, well, most of the time, I would say God handles things in a way that maybe we don't understand, but it's the right way. And so Elijah is faithful to the Lord, and he is provided for until all of a sudden the, the brook, the waters uh, dry up, and God uh, sends him to another place. He sends him to a place called Zarephath. So he's in this wadi for a while, this ravine where it meets the, uh, the Jordan River, and then after a season, God says, I want you to go to Zarephath, which would have been a pretty good distance away. It would have been kind of uh, northwest of where he was and probably several hundred mi miles away. I didn't, I didn't calculate it, but it would have been a pretty good uh, journey for him to have traveled. And God says, and when you get there, I will have a widow there who will provide for you. And so Elijah is faithful to the Lord, and he goes from uh, the wadi that he is by, by the Jordan River, and he goes to Zarephath, and he finds this widow who was there. And when he arrives there, we see the very effects of the drought that is taking place. He finds this widow, and she is gathering a wood, 
And he asks her for a drink, and he asks her for something to eat. And she says, look, I'm, I'm gathering this wood up so that me and my son, we can eat this meal and we can die. It had gotten into, into dire situations because of the famine in the land. This lady quite literally said that they were about to eat their final meal. They didn't have any more resources. They didn't have anything left that they could make bread with or that they could make anything with. They didn't have anything else to live on. They were about to die because of the drought. And Elijah said, Look, go ahead and provide for me, and God's going to provide for you and make sure everything is taken care of. I won't tell you the whole story. Go read 1 Kings 17. You'll like it. It's good stuff. And the woman is faithful to do what Elijah asked her to do. And isn't it interesting that as we see this drought in the land, isn't it interesting that as we see Elijah, he seems like he is, he is the only one who's really willing to stand for God, and indeed he is the only prophet willing to stand for the Lord. Isn't it amazing that even in the hard times, that even though there was a drought, even though that Elijah wasn't living a life of luxury, even though that it looked like things were dire and there was no hope, that God still provided for him. No matter where he called him to, whether it was by the Jordan River or whether it was in Zarephath, whether he was alone and there was 450 other prophets against him, it didn't matter. God was with him and was providing for him no matter where he was. And that's good news. Do you know why? Because we serve the same God. And God provides for us. I want to tell you this morning that God is with you. And if you call out to the, to, to the Lord and you seek God, that He is going to be with you. He is going to take care of you. And it may not be an easy life. He may call you to this, or He may call you to that, or He may send you here, or He may send you there. But whatever God calls you to, whatever you are going through, God is with you. God is faithful to be there with you. God is faithful to be your strength. He doesn't always make our situations get better instantly. As we see Paul call out to the Lord in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 9, I believe it is, where he says, look, that he had a thorn in the flesh, and he had called to the Lord three times. He said, Lord, please take this from me. But God said, nope, not going to take it from you. But he said, my grace is sufficient, for power is perfected in weakness. Sometimes God has to allow us to go through those hard times. Even physically, maybe there's some weak times or some hard things that we're going through. But God is with us. His power is perfected in weakness. His grace is sufficient no matter what we are going through. So maybe you're saying today, I'm weak. My faith is weak. Spiritually, I'm weak. Then you need to call out to the Lord who is gracious. You need to call out to the Lord who will strengthen you. Sometimes we, we have to realize just how bad off we are. God has to allow us to suffer a little bit, to go through those seasons of drought so that we will call out to Him, so that when He works in a powerful way, we will be ready for that. We will see that. We will experience that. And when we see God work, we will praise Him in our lives. That's what we see with the people of Israel. Sometimes we have to get kind of down in some hard times before we really appreciate things. We are a little spoiled here in the United States. We are sometimes not content with what we have because we have become so spoiled. 
sometimes God has a way of kind of humbling us a little bit so we learn how to appreciate the small things, to appreciate the things that matter, to seek Him and trust Him all the more, and to be content with what He gives us, as we see with Paul in the New Testament, that he has learned to do all things through Jesus Christ who strengthens him. Why can he sow those words? Because in the verses before, he says he's learned the secret to being content. He is fully content with the Lord. Therefore, no matter what situation becomes him, he is, he is okay because he is content in the Lord. Sometimes we have to go through something kind of rough to appreciate even the small things. I thought about this week as I thought about the last trip that I went to Haiti on. It was a horrible start to the trip. We got to the airport at 4.30. Our plane was broke down. We went all over the world. We got there late. The vehicle we were in had two flat tires. Then it broke down. Then we had to push it down the road. Then another vehicle came and picked us up. Then we had a wreck in that vehicle on the way. Then it was late. And then it was hot. Then it was sweaty. Then we had to get dressed in like two minutes, drive back to a place, and then preach a revival. That was a tough day. I was not in an attitude to preach a revival by the time all that went on. I was ready for it to be over with. And we were hot and sweaty, and we got back to the place at the end of the night, and I said, boy, I just need a good shower. And the guy that was over the place said, oh, by the way, we don't have any water. What? Are you kidding me? And then about that time, all of a sudden this thunderstorm blew up. It was pouring rain. And you know what I did? I grabbed a bar of soap, and I got in that rain, and I bathed, and it felt beautiful. And I was so proud that that water was falling from the sky. That was the best feeling shower ever. I was totally content with that because I had just come from the roughest day ever. Now, if you were to tell me today, hey, do you want to go take a shower in the rain? I would say, no way. If I were to ask you that question, you'd say, no way. But it's amazing how things change when we go through a hard time how we begin to appreciate things that maybe we've never appreciated before. And I think that God has to do that to us spiritually sometimes too. Because we become proud. We begin to expect that we uh, should have this or that, or this should happen, or this should work out this way, or this should happen that way. And we're never content with where we are, with where we work, with what we have, with what we do, with what's going on in life. And we want more, more, more until all of a sudden sometimes God says, okay, and then we go in a season of drought. Things are very difficult. And it's amazing how that humbles us. And how at the end of that we hopefully get to a point where we say, God, boy, I need you, dear Lord. And when God comes to us and we feel the Holy Spirit work in our life and we feel the joy of the Lord, boy, that's a good feeling. That's a great feeling when God is taking care of you, when you are at peace with the Lord. And that's the feeling that I want every one of us to have all the time. We have to work at it. We continually have to seek the Lord. But perhaps this season of revival is just the season that you need in your life. Perhaps this season of revival is a time that if you're in a drought with the Lord, if you're in a situation where things aren't working out, perhaps this is the season where God is trying to get your attention. 
Where God is saying, look, I'm just to send a man here who's going to speak the word and I'm going to bring the Holy Spirit through him and he's going to speak my word to you. And God wants to work in a powerful way, just the way that God used Elijah, perhaps the men that God is about to send here next week. God wants to use to do a mighty and powerful work. So after seeing his power through them, we would praise God all the more. That we would seek him and we would come to him and we would say, Lord, I'm sorry. I'm sorry for my pride. I'm sorry for my sins. I'm sorry for my attitude. I'm sorry for rejecting you, dear Lord, and seeking other things other than you. But God, help me through this situation in my life. Perhaps that needs to be some of our prayers as we enter this season of revival. But one thing that we need to remember as we enter seasons of revival in our life is that we continually have to keep coming back to the Lord. When we experience those droughts in life, oftentimes our soul, our spirit, is longing for something, is thirsting for something. And that thing, that something, that someone that we're thirsting for is Jesus Christ. We need to go back to the well, the well that never runs dry, the well that is flowing with living water, and that is Jesus Christ. And throughout our walk with the Lord, if you are a Christian, you continually have to go back to the well. You have to go back to the well. You have to go back to the well. You have to be restored. You have to be revived. You have to be re-energized because our job, our calling, our duty as Christians is a difficult one. And if you read a little further in 1 Kings chapter 19, after Elijah does this beautiful work, after God's people call out to him, after the prophets of Baal are shown up because their God doesn't answer because he's non-existent, but Yahweh, the God of Israel, answers and shows his power among the people. After Elijah experiences the word of God, after he's provided for by God, after he's been obedient to God, after all these glorious, wonderful things happen, Elijah is back facing some difficult circumstances. And in 1 Kings chapter 19, Elijah's very life is on the line as Jezebel is seeking to kill him. And Elijah says, God, I can't do it anymore. God, I just want to give up. God, I just want to lay under this tree and die. That's what Elijah said after experiencing God's power in its fullest. Elijah said, I can't take it anymore. I'm just ready to give up, Lord. And do you know what God does? God sends an angel to minister to him. God says, Elijah, get you a little rest. Eat a little bit. Drink a little bit. Because your journey is not done. I'm still using you. I'm still going to work through you. And God is so gracious. In the ups and downs of Elijah's life, and in the ups and downs of our life, to take care of us. To be with us when we face those who come against us. To provide for us in our seasons of drought and our times of need. To be with us when we feel like we can't go any further and we need to give up. God is faithful to provide for and take care of His children. My question to you is, do you know that God? Do you have a relationship with that God? Because if you don't, 
I want to tell you that the only way you can have that relationship is through Jesus Christ. The only way your thirst can be quenched in the drought of life that you may be going through is by going to the well of Jesus Christ, by going to the one who gave his life on a cross so that you could be forgiven, who is victorious, who has victory over everything, who is with you, who will take care of you in any situation, who gives us nothing to fear because he is with us, and that is Jesus Christ. Some of you are thirsty. You need to go to the well and you need to drink from the blood of Jesus Christ. You need to drink from the sacrifice that was given on our behalf. You need to drink that living water that is Jesus Christ. And there are some of you who drank that water. You've accepted Jesus Christ. You've experienced that peace and that joy and that relationship with God. And you still got it, but you just don't feel excited anymore. And I want you to go to that well. I want you to pray the Lord. I want you to, to repent of your sins. I want you to seek God. I want you to come in here with a heart that's ready to hear next week when God sends these men to speak to us, when the Holy Spirit is among us, that we would hear God's Word in our ears and in our hearts and that we would live it out. And that if there's something in our life that shouldn't be there, that we would give it to the Lord. And if you're struggling today, don't give up. Don't think that God has given up on you. Know that God is with you. God is going to be with you even when your faith is weak, just as Elijah's was. God said, I'm going to prepare for you. I've got a job for you. I'm calling you to continue to serve. And for many of us, God is calling us to continue to serve. We've still got a job to do. It's not easy, but God prepares us. He strengthens us. He builds us up. And I believe that that, for some at least, will be what God is trying to do during this season of revival. Let's pray. God, we come to you today and we thank you for this beautiful story that we see. How you work through Elijah, how you, how you use him, dear Lord, in a powerful way. God, how you, how you get the attention of your people through the drought. God, help us to see these things and connect them to our own lives and how they make and apply to us, dear Lord. Help us to see how you continue to use Elijah even when his faith is weak. Even when he feels like he can't go on any further, dear Lord. You, you provide for him. God, we thank you for providing for us, not just with food to eat and houses to live in, but God, you provide for us ultimately and more importantly through Jesus Christ, and we thank you for that provision. Not that we can just drink water from our faucet, but that God, we can drink water from the well, the living water of Jesus Christ. So God, I pray that if there's one in this room that has never accepted Jesus, that today that they have heard your word, that they've heard of Jesus Christ, that they, that they know that you are an all-powerful, almighty God, that you are the only God, dear Lord, and that they would humble themselves before you and accept Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. Maybe there are some that are, that are yours, God, and they're just struggling. They just need to be restored. They need to be lifted up, God. They need to know that you're with them. So just help them, God. Help them to call out to you and, and, just, and just speak to you whatever's on their heart, that they would give it to you. I pray for whoever may come to this place next week for this revival, that you start preparing their hearts, dear Lord, whoever they are, wherever they're coming from, just, just work in their heart, God, so that when we all get here, that we'd be ready to hear your word and ready for you to work and move in this church in a mighty way. I pray that you be with us as we prepare this week, as we think about your words, as we seek you, as we prepare for cottage prayer meeting, dear Lord. <coughs> It's 24 hours of prayer, dear Lord. Help us to have a heart of prayer, to know that you hear, that you listen, and that you will respond. So God, I pray that you bless this week as we prepare for revival. Give us a right heart and get us ready to go. In Jesus' name I ask it.
Amen.